The woke left is winning the culture war here in Canada, and the people being punished the most are kids. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Now you know on The Candace Malcolm Show, we like to talk about culture, not just politics. You know, the main focus of True North and the main focus of The Candace Malcolm Show is usually federal politics, but there are so many other aspects of our society that are just as important and that have a huge impact on politics. And one of those is culture. We talk about the culture war a lot. We talk about the ideology of the woke left. They demand intellectual uh, conformity. Everybody must think the exact same thoughts or you get canceled. You can't even be part of the conversation unless you agree that Canada is a racist, um, historically, systemically racist, genocidal state. If you don't believe and, and, and accept those terms, then you can't even be part of the conversation. We see this sort of steamrolling of their opposition wherever they go, and they have crept into every aspect of our society. It's not just the Trudeau government, although it's certainly prevalent there, but it's prevalent across corporate Canada. You see so many people getting removed from their corporate positions because of something that they've said or even something that they've liked on Twitter. We see this now throughout sports as well, the NHL, NFL, NBA, they've all gone woke. We see this in universities. You universities are the worst offenders. They were the first ones to do it and they've exported it all throughout society. We still see it there. We see this in schools, elementary schools, high schools, school districts across the country. And again, one of the other worst offenders, universities are the worst. The other is certainly the legacy media, the mainstream media. We see how, again, they push this idea. We saw Evan Solomon in that interview with Jean Chrétien, basically trying to force the former prime minister to say that residential schools weren't about education. They were about committing genocide and and trying to, again, push that ideology. So, so we talk a lot about this divisive, reductive, despicable ideology that, that, that is the woke left. Uh, but what, what we don't talk a lot about on this show is how it impacts children, how it impacts kids. And so I'd like to go in and talk about that today. First, though, if you enjoy The Candace Malcolm Show and you like what we're doing here, please consider heading on over to tnc.news donate and give us a modest donation. It really helps us out. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, don't forget to like this video, share this video, leave us a comment, let us know what you think, and don't forget to subscribe to True North. And if you're listening to this show in podcast form and you like what we do, you like the show, please consider giving us a five-star review. It really helps us in the search metric over there. And don't forget to subscribe to The Candace Malcolm Show so that you never miss an episode. Okay, I have a lot of examples. I have a lot of data points here that I'd like to get through, so I'm going to go through them fairly quickly. So first things first, the reason that I wanted to cover this topic, the, the thing that sparked this idea to cover this today was that I got a tip from a viewer. Somebody forwarded me an email that had been sent to their children's school. So this is an email that was sent to a school in the Ottawa area. And again, it is about the woke left pushing their ideology, this time in the form of cultural appropriation. So we're told that if you're Canadian, if you're of European ancestry, if you look like me, you are not allowed to dress up in other cultures because that is offensive, that's cultural appropriation, and it is wrong. And so here we get the hectoring message from the school, from the principal to the parents, reminding them that it is not okay to dress up like another culture on Halloween. So it says this, with Halloween just a few days away, parents and guardians are searching for the perfect Halloween costume for their children. As tempting as it may be to dress our children in what they would like to be, it is important to consider a more thoughtful approach about whether the costume is culturally sensitive and appropriate. According to the Cambridge Dictionary, cultural appropriation is the act of taking or using things from a culture that is not your own, especially without showing that you understand or respect the culture. 
Halloween is a fun event, and with some creativity and imagination, parents can help their children with deciding on a costume that aligns with a culturally sensitive Halloween. Being proactive can help all of us to avoid uncomfortable situations at school and in our community, and can help us ensure that Halloween is a fun event where students feel safe and honored. So according to this school, Halloween isn't about fun. It isn't about kids feeling scared and getting excited about trick-or-treating and all the decorations. It isn't about creativity and using your imagination. It isn't even about the kids. H Halloween is about feeling safe and feeling honored. I, I, I don't even really want to get into the whole argument behind cultural appropriation because it's just so stupid. The entire history of all of the world is a history of trade, of collaboration, sometimes of war, usually of war, but in the modern day, certainly collaboration, trade, freedom of movement, and, and just the entire concept of a globalized world. And so this idea that somehow certain cultures are carved out and belong to some people, and therefore you can't dress up as them, is just, it's just stupid, it's wrong, it takes the fun and takes the joy out of Halloween. I will, I will make a small note though, when reading this uh, letter, all I could think of is Justin Trudeau, our embarrassing prime minister, dressing up in blackface over and over and over again, not just as a student in his own high school, although there is a picture of him as a student in his own high school in blackface, but then again as a teacher, as a teacher, an almost 30-year-old teacher, a grown man, wearing blackface in a school yearbook. So that whole line about wanting to avoid uncomfortable situations at school in our community, that, that that's sort of a nod to how Justin Trudeau just made the whole country cringe, how it made everyone cringe, even at the time, even when he was a teacher in the late 90s wearing blackface, everyone knew it was wrong. And you can see the expression on people's face in the background kind of looking like, what, what is that guy doing? What is wrong with Justin Trudeau? Why would he do that? So a li little, little bit of humor there. Justin Trudeau should take the advice, I guess, of the woke mob. Uh, but really, Halloween is the time to dress up and have fun. And the last thing we want is the left trying to take fun away. But, but this is totally a theme throughout Canada. Wherever we go, wherever we look, we see school boards and schools trying to cancel Halloween, trying to take the fun out of childhood. So this is according to City News. The Waterloo Region District School Board tries to cancel Halloween. No Halloween celebration at these schools this year. Don't expect ghouls, ghosts, or goblins at any school in Waterloo this Halloween. The school board has decided to scrap Halloween plans for 2021 in an effort to make schools more inclusive. The superintendent of student achievement said this, those include cultural reasons, socioeconomic reasons, and personal reasons. And we are trying to really focus on fostering a sense of inclusion in our school, which means we must respect the decisions of those who choose not to participate and those who cannot participate in these kinds of activities. We have to recognize Halloween in itself is not essential for learning and Halloween this year doesn't fall on a school day. So he says that the pandemic has given them an opportunity to examine their normal routine and whether it serves all children in the same way. So here you go, unless an activity serves all children in the exact same way, in other words, unless we have complete conformity, complete communism, the exact same outcome, equality of outcome, then it's not even worth doing something like this. They say that the, that the idea is not inclusive enough and that's it. No more Halloween. For, forget about the whole idea. Forget about the whole history, all the traditions. It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't fit in with the left's ideology and therefore they're just simply not having it. There is so much more. Now this is something of a theme. So in Ontario, even the places that are allowing Halloween are putting strict requirements and harsh rules onto those kids who are trying to have fun and enjoy Halloween. 
So according to officials in the Ontario government, it says that children are not allowed to yell, trick or treat, or sing, or be closer than one meter to other kids on Halloween while trick or treating. Again, trying to just completely take all the fun out of this holiday and again, just punishing children for the sake of punishing children because the activities that they like don't conform with our ideology. Here's another one from CBC News Kids. Can kids go trick-or-treating this year? Tips for a safe Halloween. So here it says public health authorities are saying that costume masks, the masks that come with your costumes, don't count as medical masks. So if you're gonna go out trick-or-treating, even if you're wearing a mask, you should wear another medical mask underneath it, even though you're outside, even though you're going from door to door, even though your interactions with other people are usually really brief on Halloween and all the statistics that we know about COVID shows that you can track COVID from being next to someone for a longer period of time, 10, 15 minutes, not just a brief interaction, not outside, not while you're socially distancing, not where you're already having face protection, even if it's not a medical mask. Regardless, the health authorities want to have their fingers in every aspect of our lives, and that includes Halloween, so they're doing everything that they can to ensure that kids just simply do not have fun, and of course we know that these rules don't simply apply on Halloween. Yes, the health authorities and the left mob and the left bullies in schools are going into overtime right now to try to ensure that kids don't have fun on Halloween, but these kind of measures exist every single day. It's not just a Halloween thing, even though we see the sort of authoritarian impulse really come out at a time like Halloween where people just don't want anyone to have fun. They want con complete control of kids' lives. But, but this does exist every day. So I'm gonna go through some of the things that are happening in elementary schools. But first, I wanna talk a little bit about the risk of COVID to little kids because we see so many measures in schools. We see this whole idea that kids now have to wear masks starting in kindergarten, the idea that they're pushing forced vaccinations now for little kids, the idea of socially distancing. We even see these ridiculous uh, cubicles where, where kids have plexi glass between them. Just stop for a minute and try to imagine what this is doing to little kids today growing up. Kids, little kids like my son who's just learning how to communicate and the idea that he would have to wear a mask at school completely hinders his ability to communicate. Remember that when you're little and you're learning to talk, you're learning to communicate, so much of communication is nonverbal. And so the fact that he can't see another child's face and another child can't see his face, the teacher can't see his face, Imagining the kind of damage that that does to a child and their ability to develop, not to mention a child who has a learning disability or a developmental disability, what kind of an impact that will do. It's, it's truly, truly just despicable to see them try to impose these kind of measures, force masks, social distancing uh, to little kids trying to learn. But, but before I get into uh, some of the crazy rules that we see out there, I just wanna pause for a minute and talk about the actual risk to kids. Now, first I'm gonna show this clip from the Joe Rogan experience. So Joe Rogan had the CNN health expert, Dr. Sanjay Gupta on the show. Now, first of all, just props to Dr. Sanjay for actually showing up and doing this interview. He's the chief medical correspondent over at CNN. He's become famous throughout this pandemic, but he's also said a lot of really crazy controversial things. So props for him for going and having this conversation with Joe Rogan. But let me just say that the conversation didn't go very well for Dr. Sanjay. There were so many instances where Joe Rogan, now Joe Rogan is, uh, you know, a layman, he's not an expert, he's not a doctor, he's not a scientist, and yet he still basically has Dr. Sanjay Gupta's number. He, he gets him on a number of points, and that's why so many of these clips are going viral. But one of the clips that really stood out to me was this clip of 
Joe Rogan talking about the threat and the risk to kids with COVID, comparing that to the risk of a fully vaccinated adult, an adult that has had double vaccination, what the risks are of COVID for a double vaccinated adult versus the risk of a totally unvaccinated child. So let's play this clip. Don't you think that even with a breakthrough infection, untreated, you're probably more vulnerable than the average child who is not vaccinated, who gets COVID? Uh, like, like people have died who are double vaccinated. In fact, there was a guy who just won an Emmy who's uh, was, Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, the odds of that happening to a healthy child are very very low very low But that guy is probably your age. How old are you? I'm 51. Yeah, he's about your age Theoretically you would be more vulnerable than a young child would be you vaccinated would be more vulnerable of a breakthrough infection than a young child would be, statistically speaking, right? Uh, but you're not worried about catching it. They're both catch rare. But you're not worried about catching it. You're not worried about catching it because you've been vaccinated and you think it imparts a certain amount of protection. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying to you is I think that not worry is the same feeling that a lot of people have about their children. They're not worried about their healthy children catching it for the same reason you're not worried about catching it being vaccinated. That if treated correctly, they think that the child probably has a better chance even than you do because you're 51 years old. I, I think... Is I, that... I mean, they're, they're both... That seems reasonable, right? Well, I think it's... I don't... I, I know the story but about you, this 53-year-old But you see guy. what I'm saying? Like, with your well, attitude that you're not worried about catching it because you've been vaccinated and you're a healthy guy. I'm, that is the exact same feeling that people have about vaccinating their children. If they have healthy children and they know that statistically speaking... There's so few children that have died from COVID. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, there, there are. It's like, I think, 500 or so children. Out of have died millions from, and millions and millions of kids. That probably have been exposed. Yeah. And, and, but, you know, it's again, part of it is, is not defining this in terms of life and death. Um, I think but do you understand my point? Well, are you suggesting I get boosted? <laughs> no, I'm not say saying that. What I'm saying is your attitude about not being concerned because you have antibodies and you think you would get through it even if you had a breakthrough infection, that is the exact same attitude that a lot of young people have where they don't want to get a shot because they're worried about the consequences, even though they're incredibly small. Consequences of the vaccine. Of the vaccine. Incredibly small. But the VAERS report, they do have deaths. So again, just great point there by Joe Rogan. It got me thinking about the numbers in Canada. You heard in that clip how Joe Rogan talked about how a couple of hundred kids had died of COVID in the US. So I wanted to see what the numbers were like in Canada. And it is truly shocking. This, 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 these numbers will shock you. You don't hear about this a lot in the media. And again, if you were to ask the everyday Canadian, average Canadian out there, what they thought about the number of people who had died, given the extreme measures that we are seeing in schools, I guarantee that they would guess a number a lot higher. So first I'll just say that according to this data, Stats Canada, which takes all the data from the various health authorities and compiles it together. So the age group that has had the most number of cases, the highest case number for COVID are those under the age of 20, 19 and younger have accounted for 20.7% of all COVID cases in Canada. There's been nearly 350,000 positive cases of COVID, 348,407 positive cases. So the group that has had COVID the most has also had the lowest deaths from COVID. So according again to these the official data from Health Canada, of those 350,000 cases of the 28,800 people in Canada who have died of COVID, the number of people who have died of COVID under the age of 20 is 17. Not 17,000, not 1,700, 
17 deaths. So this makes up 0.1% of all COVID deaths and therefore the death rate of anyone dying from COVID under the age of 20 is 0.002%, 0.002%. So in other words, this isn't the biggest risk for kids under 20. In fact, it isn't even in the top 10 biggest risks for deaths. Again, 17 people have died of COVID under the age of 20. When you look at just something else, suicide and self-harm, the number of deaths from suicide and self-harm in a given year in Canada is somewhere in the 30s. It was 36 in 2008. 32 in 2019. And again, this isn't the annual rate of people who have died of COVID, this 17 figure. This is in the life of COVID. And again, we're into year two. We're almost at the two-year mark of COVID. And we have seen 17 deaths. Compare that to 115 annual deaths from cancer, 125 on average deaths from accidental deaths or injuries. And then you have 17 deaths for COVID. The, the, the number of kids that die from heart disease, liver disease, and pneumonia is approximately the same in a year as die from COVID. And one more thing to keep in mind, another caveat. We remember in that story that came out last week about the 14-year-old boy in Alberta who sadly died of a stage four brain tumor, brain cancer. He was included in the COVID health counts. We saw the media plaster how Alberta had had its youngest COVID case until his family came out and said, no, this is fake news. This isn't true. Our brother sadly died of cancer. It had nothing to do with COVID. We knew that he was dying. We knew that he was going to die. They happened to test him two days before his death and it came out positive, but COVID in no way contributed to his death. And then Dr. Dina Henshaw, the top doctor in Alberta, came out, apologized, walked it back, and basically said that they were going to start doing reviews now on kids that were dying of COVID, and they weren't just going to automatically include them in the count. So, so that even makes you wonder, of the 17, how many other cases were sort of like that, where someone died of something else, they happened to contract COVID on their deathbed, and they were considered a covid count. I mean, really, you, you, uh, we're, we're trying to dig into these numbers right now. At True North, we have a bunch of requests out trying to understand exactly the circumstances of these 17 deaths. But either way that you look at it, the chances of a child dying from COVID are incredibly low, incredibly low. Even if they get COVID, which a lot of kids do get COVID, they don't die of it. They don't have the same, it doesn't impact them the same way as it impacts elderly people. So you have to pause and think about why are we putting in all of these ridiculous measures that really hinder a child's development, their ability to learn, their ability to just be free and enjoy their youth and enjoy their childhood and interact with their friends and, and all of these things that we took for granted, I took for granted when I was growing up, aren't necessarily available to children today. And as a society, we're just sort of letting it happen. We're letting the woke left steamroll our institutions, steamroll our schools and letting them implement these insane measures on kids and it is just absolutely wrong and it needs to stop. So I've got a couple more examples here of school boards just being absolutely insane and ridiculous when it comes to little kids and these rules. So this is a story over at True North TNC.news. Ottawa trustee wants mandatory vaccines for students and online classes for the unvaccinated. So an Ottawa Carleton District School Board trustee, look at a picture of this lady. She's exactly what she looks like. She is pushing for mandatory vaccinations for all eligible students 
and to corral unvaccinated kids into virtual schools. Trustee Lyra Evans, who looks like a woke gender studies major, she is seeking to implement the mandate beginning September 30th, 2021. The motion states that students over the age of 12 will be required to partially vaccinate against the COVID-19 virus or provide proof of medical exemption as of the 30th and be fully vaccinated by the 20th of November to continue to be allowed in person classes. Any student who's not vaccinated against COVID virus after the state will be re-enrolled in a virtual school. A month prior, the same trustee was behind a push to force masking on all kindergarten students. So forced vaccinations for little kids who have a very, very small risk of dying from COVID and masks for kindergarten students, according to this unhinged lunatic who we have empowered to make decisions over our children. It is absolutely outrageous. The next thing that we are seeing are these desk shields now being sold on several different online marketplaces, including Amazon. Pictures show them used in classrooms around the world. So far, there isn't any guidance from Canadian schools about mandating these desk shields, but let me just tell you, it's coming. It's coming. We're seeing it all over the place. Just look at this. Can you imagine trying to learn an environment where you're basically forced into a cage? This is just truly perverted. Next, we see the Toronto District School Board stops kids from talking in schools to prevent the spread of COVID. This was over at CTV News. Toronto students told not to speak during lunch to reduce the spread of COVID-19. CTV article is a collection of parents coming forward to say that they are disgusted with this directive from the Toronto District School Board and saying that it is wrong. A, a spokesperson for the Toronto District School Board confirmed the directive, saying that it is based on the advice of Toronto Public Health. We have required lunches to be brief and quiet by keeping talking to a minimum while eating, while masks are off. We are reducing the possibility of spread of COVID-19. And a teacher who requested to remain anonymous defends this action by saying that kids just shouldn't tell their parents about the crazy things that teachers are making them do at school, basically saying that kids essentially shouldn't be telling their parents what goes on because parents will have a negative reaction. COVID spreads a lot around kids, but it doesn't really make them very sick. In theory, the idea of putting in all these measures is to protect the teachers, protect the administrators, because kids can, can contract COVID and it doesn't really impact them very much. They don't really get sick. They don't need to go to the hospital and very, 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 very few of them die. 0.002% of them die. So 17 out of 350,000. So very, very, very small percentage of them die. So the whole idea presumably behind all these measures is that even though the kids could get COVID and don't get sick, what they don't want happening is it them passing it on to the teachers who may get sick or family members of those kids if the kids take it home. But, but, but then just stop for a second and realize that the whole point behind vaccination is that as a society, we're all inoculated from it. So the people who are vulnerable, the people like the parents, like the teachers who could get sick, well, they have the choice to get vaccinated and therefore they're not really at risk anymore. Just go back to that Joe Rogan example where the CNN health expert had to admit just that, that children children are at a lower risk of dying from COVID than a fully vaccinated adult. And so you have to stop and wonder then, why are we taking all of these measures? If teachers already have the choice of getting vaccinated, if parents already have the choice of getting vaccinated, and if kids don't really get sick from COVID and very, very, very few of them die, why are we taking all of these measures?
measures against kids at school? Well, it's a simple answer. It's about control. It's about conformity. It's about the left wanting the power. They got a taste of the power during COVID. They loved having that control, that power, that those decisions, the, the ability to just really let their authoritarian impulse out. And because they enjoyed it so much, they don't want to let it go. And so they are continuing to focus it. And it is our children who are bearing the brunt of it, who are forced to endure the most pain. It is absolutely unacceptable. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.